Today is the third Sunday of Advent. We light a new candle in the Advent wreath each of the four Sundays before Christmas as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We relight the first candle, the candle of hope. And we relight the second candle, the candle of peace. Today we light the third candle, the pink candle, the candle of joy. Psalm verses five, Psalm five verse eleven offers a prayer that brings us encouragement. But let all who take refuge in you celebrate. Let them sing out loud forever. Protect them so that all who love your name can rejoice in you. Please join us in the prayer of joy, printed in the program and projected. Loving God, in this time of preparation, as we take time to welcome Christ into our hearts, renew in us the power of hope, peace, and joy. May we walk in the light of Christ all year long. Amen.
Today's scripture readings are Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, and Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember that those who are in prison as though you were in prison for them, those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. We're taking a lighthearted approach in preparing to celebrate Jesus' birth this year as we look for Advent themes in some classic Christmas movies. Today we turn our attention to a 1946 picture, It's a Wonderful Life. As hard as it may be to believe, the film underperformed at the box office in its initial release, failing even to recover the costs of production. But thanks to numerous television showings in the 1980s, Today, it's ranked among the best-loved movies of all time, and it's ranked number one in the American Film Institute's lists of the most inspirational American films. Director Frank Capra revealed that this was his personal favorite among all his features, adding that he screened it for his family every year at Christmas time. The screenplay is based on a 1939 short story, The Greatest Gift, by Philip Van Doren Stern. When the author failed in his attempts to publish the story, he had it printed as Christmas cards and mailed it to 200 family and friends in December of 1943. David Hempstead, a producer at RKO Pictures, purchased the rights for $10,000, hoping to turn it into a vehicle for Cary Grant. Efforts to adapt the story into a feature script were unimpressive, however, and Grant went on to make another Christmas movie, The Bishop's Wife, in 1947. Scene one opens on Christmas Eve, 1945. George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart, is at the end of his rope. Practically all the residents of Bedford Falls are praying for George. And when those prayers reach heaven, Clarence Oddbody, an angel second class, is assigned to help George and, Clarence hopes, earn his wings. To prepare him for his assignment, Clarence views scenes from George's life. And time and time again, George puts the interests of family, friends, and neighbors ahead of his own. One of those key episodes takes place on George's wedding day, 
He and Mary Hatch, played by Donna Reed, have just become husband and wife, and they're heading off on their honeymoon when this happens. get a sense of the kind of person George is from that scene? He and Mary cancel their honeymoon and use their own money to keep the building and loan afloat. And over the years, they help make the dream of home ownership a reality for many of their neighbors. Fast forward now to Christmas Eve, 1945. World War II has just ended, and all of Bedford Falls is excited because George's younger brother, Harry, is coming home a decorated war hero. 
George's Uncle Billy goes to the bank with an $8,000 deposit and carelessly misplaces the money. Actually, he leaves the cash wrapped in a newspaper that he hands to Henry Potter, the Grinch in this piece, played in a very effective villainous style by Lionel Barrymore. A bank examiner has arrived to review the building and loans accounts. When the $8,000 shortage is discovered, George will be on his way to jail. In desperation, George turns to the only person with the wherewithal to get him out of this predicament, Potter. George's entire world is crashing down upon him. He prays, show me the way, God. But without hearing an answer, he can only think of one way out. 
If anyone ever needed a guardian angel to come alongside and help, it was George Bailey at that moment. Bridge tender was a little unnerved at speaking with an angel. Have you ever met an angel? You know, 77% of Americans believe in angels, including 40% of people who are not involved in any religious community. Angels seem to be everywhere and growing in popularity. Collectible and decorative angel figurines line store shelves, 
Angel characters appear in television shows and movies. In Los Angeles, they even play baseball. (laughs) This time of year, you see angels in nativity scenes and atop Christmas trees. Last Sunday, we even had angels in the Christmas program. In fact, there is survey data that angels are number three on the list of the most popular tattoos. But you'll have to Google those photos for yourselves. What does the Bible say about angels? Well, to begin with, the English word angel comes from the Greek word angelos, which means messenger. English Bibles also translate the Hebrew word malach, word for messenger, as angel when the messenger is from God. Sharing a message from God is the primary role of angels in Scripture. An angel is literally a messenger, a human messenger or a heavenly being. Now, angels don't show up on every page of the Bible, but when God wants to announce something earth-shattering, when there's breaking news from heaven, God sends messengers. When Mary was selected to give birth to Jesus, the Savior, God sent a messenger. That news was a bit troubling to Joseph, but God sent a messenger to him in a dream to let him know everything would be all right. And, of course, a heavenly host of angels announced to the shepherds the good news of the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That's what angels do. They announce big news. But they also show up when someone needs encouragement and strength. In the 16th chapter of Genesis, we learn that an angel of the Lord showed up to encourage Hagar when she was in the wilderness by herself and feared for her life. In 2 Kings, we learn that an angel of the Lord showed up to encourage Elijah when he feared the wrath of the king. Matthew and Mark tell us that angels came and ministered to Jesus when he was being tested in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And again, when Jesus was in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the shadow of the cross, we read in Luke 22, verse 43, that an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. The Bible shows us scenes where angels come as messengers to announce big news and when they come to people in their hour of need with messages of hope, encouragement, and strength. Occasionally, people share stories of their own encounters with angels. Just a couple of brief examples A woman was at home with her two-week-old baby. Both were sleeping, mom on her bed, baby next to her in the bassinet. Mom was awakened by the voice of her grandmother, who had died some years before, saying, 
Wake up! Clear as day. As she woke up and looked around, she saw that the pillow she had been sleeping with had fallen off the bed and was lying on top of the baby. And when she picked the pillow up, the baby gasped for air. And she felt that her grandmother, acting as her guardian angel, had awakened her to save the baby. The other example deals with the human category of angel messengers. A woman who was eight and a half months pregnant with her third child was driving down the interstate with her two small children buckled into their car seats when one of her rear tires blew out. She pulled off to the shoulder and she said she remembered how to change a tire from years back, but she'd never done it when eight and a half months pregnant. With two small children in the back seat and cars whizzing by at 70 miles an hour, she was kind of afraid. And out of nowhere, a pickup truck pulled up behind her car. She said out of the pickup popped an angel. He was dressed in greasy coveralls with a dirty ball cap on his head, and he was a messenger of God bearing good news of great joy. I have a hydraulic jack in my truck, and I can change that tire for you in five minutes. And he did, and then he was gone. To be honest with you, when I think of angels, I've never heard the voice of a departed relative speaking to me. I've never seen a heavenly messenger with wings and a halo. But several times in my life, I've been approached by someone who showed up to offer a word of encouragement, to email a message of thanks, or to text a blessing at the precise instant I needed it most. We heard from Hebrews, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. That passage tells me that the angels that you and I are most likely to encounter aren't going to resemble the angels the classical artists imagined. They're going to look like us. Some of them are sent from heaven. Some of them are guided on earth by the Holy Spirit. And most often, when God has some breaking news to deliver or a message of hope, encouragement, and strength. God might send a winged heavenly being with a golden halo and a harp, or God might send somebody who looks like this. What does that mean to you and me? Well, it means that our job is to pay attention, to notice when somebody looks like they might need a word of encouragement or a pat on the back or a note of thanks or just a nod and a smile. All of us are called to be those kinds of messengers. Well, Clarence arranges for George to get his wish, to see what the world would look like if he had never been born. 
Clarence takes George into town, except it isn't Bedford Falls, it's Pottersville, because George wasn't there to stand up to Mr. Potter, who took over the whole town. He goes to the local tavern, except it isn't Martini's, it's Nick's. And he sees people he's known his whole life, except their lives turned out very differently because he wasn't there to offer an encouraging word or a helping hand when they needed it. Like Mr. Gower, the pharmacist, whom George helped by preventing a tragic accident. Over and over, George comes face to face with people whose lives he had touched in profound ways without realizing it. Clarence summed it up beautifully. Each life touches so many others. Every life is important. All lives are interconnected in ways impossible for us to imagine. And sometimes some challenge, some difficulty, some tragedy disrupts someone's life. And when that happens to you, you need someone to come alongside with an encouraging word, a helping hand. That's exactly what took place as the film draws to a close. The word spread that the Baileys were in trouble. 
What happened next? Well, I hate to spoil the ending for you. Ah, shoot, let me tell you. Um, See, uh, people, when... uh, I can show you quicker than I can tell you. Let's watch. a sucker for happy endings. Clarence wasn't the only angel that God sent to help George Bailey. There was a whole community of people whom he had helped over the course of his wonderful life. People for whom he had been an angel at an important time. When they heard the Baileys were in need, They came through. Another way to say it is they demonstrated the power of our other word from Scripture today. Paul urged the Galatians, bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. God sends messengers when there is important news to share. And here is some important news. There are times when people cannot bear their burdens alone. 
and to fulfill the law of Christ, to live as his followers, we are invited to come alongside to help lighten the load. We can all be more than messengers. We can help embody that message. Every one of us can be God's instruments of healing and hope and encouragement for others. And when we do, when we offer hope and help, when we offer ourselves to be used by God to bring healing, we experience great joy. We discover that in spite of it all, it is a wonderful life. Would you pray with me? If you are in a difficult place right now, or if you know someone who is, I want to reassure you that God knows and God cares. And I invite you to offer a silent prayer to God, seeking light for this temporary darkness and asking God to help by sending messengers to come alongside to bring healing and hope and encouragement. Now hold fast to that which is good. Be urgent for all that is right. Christ at length shall overcome all darkness with his everlasting light. Go forth for God. Go forth with joy. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. For more information about our church, visit www.fumcturlock or call the church at 209-668-3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day, and may God bless you.